episode three of the Sporting Backbone podcast with uh, me, Kim Ward, Dan Stacey, John Whiffin and Will Pye. Uh, this evening or this afternoon, we're joined uh, for this episode by Concord Rangers Football Club uh, Secretary Lewis Pack. Lewis, good evening. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good. Thanks yourself. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, we're going to kind of jump straight into it because obviously time is of the essence. Um, just tell us firstly a bit about kind of your role at Concord and kind of how long you've worked for the football club and and that kind of stuff, please. Yeah, so I suppose the official part of my role, obviously, is club secretaries, um, ensuring player registrations are correct to the FIA, um, National League, um, so making sure player contracts are uh, correct and registration deadlines have met. Uh, Club-wise, it's a bit different at Concord because the way we run being a members club and um, the secretary is actually one of the most important positions so it's around the actual running of the club so ensuring we've got enough committee people on board to match day operations um, liaising with Essex police around if there's any safety you know police safety games i.e. made zone to the world where you need extra security and policing um, player liaison as well so I'm, I'm sort of the conduit between first team management and committee um, so, you know, any any issues players have got, grievances and, and stuff around that. And then obviously transfers, loans, you name it, sort of it's there. I think someone could probably put it more officially than me, um, but I'm not really just a club secretary. Um, I have far too many other roles to uh, just, just deal with, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it's quite intense, mate, to be honest, um, but I enjoy it. So, yeah, it's very varied, very in-depth and um, gives you a fantastic insight into football, if that's what you want to believe anyway. So, yeah. Obviously, you're a volunteer as well at Concord. How difficult is it to, to mix your role between uh, Concord and kind of your day-to-day life as well? So, I'm, I am relatively lucky. So, I've been in this role, I forgot to ask that part, I've been in this role five years now. Now, the benefit of my professional career is that because I'm a sales rep, I spend a lot of time on the road in my car on my own um so it, it's relatively more simple to juggle than it may than it would be if I was in the office um I experienced that during COVID working in an office and trying to be club secretary and it is an absolute nightmare you end up having to take stuff home with you um you'd be doing sort of you, you know your, your nine to five as such and having to work till another two two and a half hours on top of your day but I'm lucky in this respect that I've managed to work a system where everything's on my mobile now you know i've got microsoft word on there all my emails i can do even a scanner so you know i i've put every tool in place that doesn't affect my day-to-day life um which means i can also do this fantastic role with a club that you know means a lot to me so yeah juggling is, is the right word he's trying to juggle it but like i say i am very fortunate that my professional career actually does allow me um to do what I do and the, you know I've, even planning my days around customers if we're away with away or Taunton away as you well know Kian that you know Taunton away I've, I managed to funnily enough have appointments in Gloucester and Taunton that day and managed to get a stay over so yeah yeah it's there are benefits there's only benefits because I'm lucky with the job I've actually got but in an office environment I feel sorry for anyone's got to juggle it you know we, we in our in Concord's league the uh, National League South Half the clubs are full-time secretaries, so all retired, or the other, and in I reckon another thirty-five percent are retired. So you can see the battle I'm up against, but it's all part of the fun. You you spoke about being kind of the, the biggest liaison, I suppose, between players and management and committee. How difficult is that when you look over the, say the last ten months of the last season? Obviously, Concord have 
uh, guttingly suffered relegation for the first time, I think, ever in history. Um, how difficult has it been then with the change in management and kind of the, the ever-changing amount of players that Concord have had to go through this season as well? It's been really difficult. Um, it's kind of... I've never really had a lot to do in that respect. Um, I've always been in that conduit. Um, I think that's mainly down to personality and the way I am as a person. I feel I'm quite approachable. Um, so that's helped. But, yeah, it's been a nightmare, mate, to be honest, trying to trying to navigate through that period of change, of uncertainty uh, around players not knowing... You know, there was change. There was changes to the way we paid them. There was changes around the way management did things. There was a lack of communication early on because there's 20 million other things for the management to worry about rather than you know some things. So it's a juggle because obviously I've got to obviously remain as professional and loyal to the club as possible. There's certain information that players would not be able to know. Um, you know, and that's a juggling act, and it's a trust thing as well. Now I felt I handled it really well. Think I've come out of it in quite a good light with the players, um, you know. But it, it's an important role because players have got so much going on. A lot of these boys now at the level we're at, it's important for them. It's an extra, it's a, you know, a living on the side. Some of them have sacrificed a professional career to really put their put a lot into football. So they need they need that certainty. And around an ever changing circumstance that we were in in October my role become really important, um, obviously, without overstepping the line of, you know, balancing that information of what they could and couldn't know. Um, but like I say, I'd like to think that I've come out of it quite well and it's taught me a lot. Um, but, yeah, it, it's not easy trying to... I'm, I was almost balancing three three different hats at the same time while trying to keep three different types of people happy. So, yeah, it's it's hard to explain, but it's, it's good. Take us back then to what? August of 2020, I think, the, the game against Halzo in the FA Trophy semi-final. How difficult from a, not just a football club perspective, obviously, because it was behind closed doors, but from your role, I know that the FA threw all sorts of different rules and regulations like that at you and the club. How difficult was that for you to, to deal with and try and get your head around whilst also trying to, you know, uh, work full-time and that kind of stuff too? It was a, it was a challenge, mate. Now, it was, it was, the game itself was actually September. Um, however, so we got told it was all very short notice, all very like all of a sudden. Um, without remembering exact dates, I think it was around middle of August that we got it started to emanate in the news in the press that finals day, non-league finals day had been penciled in for the 27th of September. Um, with semi-finals to be played no later to then, I think it was the 17th, so you had 10 days to spin the semi-finals. Um, so you're talking, this is 15th, 16th of August, this is when we got the news. So you're talking in six weeks' time, you're potentially at Wembley. Um, they done a draw on Zoom between the two clubs, because they changed it, whether people know or not, the FA Trophy used to be a two-legged affair in the semi-final. That's what we was preparing for back in March 2020, when that thing called COVID decided to rear its ugly head. Um, so that was a change. So they had to hold a draw of who got home advantage. Um, it was very surreal being on a Zoom call with the uh, the old velvet bag and stuff. It was very proper. It was very official. We were lucky to get drawn the home the home draw. You got given a choice of you had to play the game, like I say, before the 17th of September, mutually agreeable. But if neither club agree, if 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 the two clubs didn't agree on a date, you'd be put on the 5th of September. Now, how's Owen? 
were back in pre-season. They'd already played four games at this point. We'd come, that we had just played our first friendly um, because the National League season was coming back in October. We're step two and uh, we're step three and below. I think we're starting in September, so they were three weeks ahead of us. Of course, they wanted the earliest possible date. We wanted the latest possible date, and they didn't want to travel on a Tuesday. Um, so we got stitched up in in the right way. We got stitched up that we were playing on the fifth of September. So we found out on the. 24th, 25th of August that we're playing a semi-final in in a, in a week or two weeks' time, I think it was, weeks' time, whatever. So you had to, all that logistical challenge of trying to get the game ready behind closed doors, get prepared. You know, so we had three, for, in the end, we, that was our fourth game of pre-season, technically, and that was their eighth. So they were miles ahead of us. From a registrations point of view, um, obviously people move on, players move on. We had loans that had expired and stuff. Now, the FA told us, right, rewind all the way back to March. We were told by the FA on the de- on the original deadline of registrations, which would have been 12 o'clock before the Saturday game. So 12 o'clock on the Friday before the Saturday, we would have had to register any players we wanted available for the semi-final and final. Um, on the Friday morning of that, that Friday morning back in March, um, we were still technically preparing for it. We knew we weren't playing, but... We asked the FA, said, look, if we did want to register a player, what do we do? Because we're not going to play. But what do you want to do? They said, look, anyone you want, make sure they're registered correctly by 12 o'clock today, which we did. Is a lad called George Alexander. I'll go back to that in a minute. Um, so, yeah, so that was so obviously them challenges that happened. But because you still lose players, the FA had agreed that you were allowed six new newly registered players for the semi-final. Now, newly registered could mean literally brand new to the club, never played for us before. Um, a loan that had expired from the previous season, but they wasn't eligible for. So basically, anyone that wasn't eligible for the semi-final could play for us. If there was a, if there's an existing loan for us, i.e., uh, uh, try and think of one, Nathan Carlisle on loan from QPR, he was eligible for the semi-final. Um, he he was then eligible to play. In, he was then eligible to play in the new semi-final date if he'd returned to his parent club and come straight back to us. So there was no break. The only club he could go back to, in essence, was QPR. He couldn't register for another club in between because that would then mean he's a new player. So yeah, I'm sure you've probably just got as confused as I have with it. Um, but that's the challenges we had um, had to face. And you're talking, I had to do all that while juggling. I'm a sales rep by trade, but I was working in an office at the time. I'm lucky my boss was an absolute star at the time and let me take whatever phone call, do anything I needed to make sure we were eligible, got all the players correct for that semi-final. Um, and it was tough. Not going to lie. How often do you oh, have on, to then. react to, you know, sort of off-the-cuff instances where you've got a plan sort of laid in place and the next thing you know, everything has changed? More regularly than you'd hope, being honest. Um, and it's, I had an example this season um, where... I, I, every every Friday, I'd always have a conversation with whatever manager we've got in place. So this season, obviously Rob Small, I at, at two o'clock. It's normally around one two o'clock. Um, we have a chat to say, look, anything you need for Friday, anything you need tomorrow, any new players or anything like that. He categorically told me this was on 16th of December. He said, no, nope, no players needed. 4:35, he rings me. Two and a half hours later, considering the deadline for players is five o'clock, he went, I need a player signed. I need him for tomorrow. So I had 25 minutes to do all the paperwork. So it, unfortunately, football, it's got too many moving parts to, you know, most things I would say, you know, a manager will tell me a player signing, will give me his details, you get things done, it all goes swimmingly. Um, but 
he can have the best players in the world in this game. We had a loan signing this year that the EFL made a mistake on and wrongly rejected it. We missed him for a game that's quite important to us. It turns out they made a mistake, so he should have been eligible for the game he missed, which we lost. So, yeah, unfortunately, mate, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. And I'd say 80% of the time goes swimmingly, because that 20%, unfortunately, rears its ugly head and you've got to think on your feet. And like I say, I've managed to get things in place which enable me to be able to think on my feet, which I'd like to hope some clubs that, that our managers like it because I'm quite I'm able to react to any circumstance like that. These difficulties that you've had, have they come up as um have they come up as a shock to you or have you felt like you've been prepared enough for them and you just or that you just had to work through it, if that makes sense? You can never be prepared to be honest, because you don't really obviously I can all I'm always until five o'clock on a Friday, I'll always be on tender hooks for a player signing, obviously. Um, but I don't know whether that'd be a non contract, whether it's a contract, whether it's a loan. Um, you know, the EFL rejecting a loan, you can't prepare for that. You know, you, you then go through every rigmarole and appeal process possible. But then you you're in a waiting game, you've got a manager who wants to know if the player's eligible. I then got I but then I can't take any chances, I've got to make sure it's all done correctly while trying to juggle a home life. Um, obviously, if you play an eligible player through no fault, even if it's not your fault and there's a mistake at the FA end, we would still get deducted points. Um, so I, I think you've, as a secretary, I think you always prepare for the worst, even if nothing's going to happen. So, but every circumstance is that you'll never know what problem might arise if there is one. So you just get used to it, mate. I know when I first, you know, five years in this role now, the first year, I learned a lot very quickly and it was very like, head loss but mm, I'd like to I'd like to think now because I've got experience of it I'll just deal with anything that's chucked in my way now um but I say I can't best prepare for it because it's impossible to know what's going to come do you know so so yeah <clears throat> tidy then uh Lewis. The, um today marks actually I've just looked at the kickoff time uh two years ago at this point in time we were five minutes into the second half of the, the FA trophy final at Wembley um, it's still nil nil at the minute. Um, just talk us through the kind of the run up to, I suppose, to that day from a football club perspective. Obviously, it was quite unique in not having any league fixture leading to it. And then just talk about just that day at Wembley, obviously, the resulting at Concord's way. But just talk about just a day and, and how that kind of day unfolded for you, at least from your perspective. I know you were kind of given access to areas and just, just take us through, you know, month third, 2021, I suppose, from, from your view, at least as a secretary of a football club. Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll start on the down. If we about if we'd be about five minutes in, this is where our head in our hands when Jack Cawley somehow put it over the bar from two yards out. But um, we move forward. But we'll try not to dwell on that. Uh, yeah, it's um again we have more player registration things to worry about coming into the uh coming into it because you know from that semi final in September through to May again a lot's happened. We played a league season and players come and go, so he was allowed another six new players, so that was another challenge to worry about, of all the loan signing rules and stuff, and that didn't get any easier, I can assure you I'm glad I had, I'm glad Ant Smith was still chairman at the time, because he was um, a very, very good person to rely on to help you out, um, but yeah, lead to, so, so we had a six-week build-up um, going into, the, you know, less we were going to the less, you know, technical stuff now, we had a six-week build-up, Scopesy and team managed to, you know, pull together five or six fantastic friendlies you know, we went to Adams Park. It was a White Wickham Wanderers. We had Ebsley. 
Um, we had a Cambridge 11, we had Basildon and one or two others, can't remember them all. But it was very unique that, you know, we're these teams are on pre-season um, or end of post-season almost. Because obviously, COVID stopped the season we were playing. Um, we kept everything incognito. We didn't, there was no team sheets, no videos, nothing. Cambridge let us down on that, unfortunately. Right at the last hurdle, we failed. Um, but yeah, we had a, we had the best build-up we could have. The boys were training Tuesday, Tuesday Thursday, Saturday, around if there wasn't a game. Um, they had a good squad together. Um, obviously, there's challenging the logistics of six players, six new players. And to be honest, we were we were knocking on the door. We were struggling at one point. To be honest, um, they had to leave two players out. They would have wanted in the squad because one they wanted to take a substitute goalkeeper with them, which you know makes perfect sense. Um, so there's a juggling act on that. So that was you know interesting to work out. Um, but yeah, other than that, obviously we arranged. We was only allowed. Well, initially we was only allowed twenty tickets for committee. Um, ended up the FA give us 10 more the week leading up to it. So, yeah, you know, we allowed 30 people, which meant we arranged a committee coach um, to go alongside the team coach. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was in, it felt, to be honest, around the fact, forgetting it was COVID, we weren't actually playing, it was relatively normal because we were playing games, because we had to arrange a coach travel and stuff, it felt a bit normal. Um, around the most unnormal time of anyone, even in 2021, it weren't quite normal at the time. Um, so we'd arranged all that. Uh, we 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 arranged for the boys to have a meal at Waltham Abbey as proper. You know, we treated them as professional football players on the day, the best we could. And it was fantastic with it. We made them all go to the club and depart. We made as many go to the club as possible and depart. We had got the only chance the fans had to see us um, was actually leaving the ground. Um, which was brilliant. We must have got 150, 200 people. And soon our average home attendance probably includes 200 home fans. It was bloody incredible, really. Um, so off they departed. We had a committee and people stayed behind, had a bacon roll and all that stuff. Then we were, you know, we were on the way to Wembley. And I'll never forget driving up to up to Wembley in the coach, thinking that's when it started sinking. I don't think it ever sunk in, to be honest. I'm a fan first. People that know me know I'm a fan first. I'm not a secretary. I'm a fan. So that sunk in at that point that you know, Conquer were at Wembley. I actually, I forgot to add, surprisingly, I actually slept that night because the semi-final, the night before the semi-final, I think I had about an hour's kit, too nervous to sleep. But in Wembley, I was calmer than ever until I got to Wembley Way and I thought, oh, we're Conquer to playing at Wembley today. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic. I had to have my pre-match Nando's as I was reminded on Instagram today that I did get a mention from Adam Summerton on BT Sport, I had some stupid superstition. Every He got it slightly wrong, but we'll, we'll, we'll own that at the time. But before every away game of that FA Trophy run that spanned two years, I had a Nando's and I had to keep to that. So I went and had Nando's at Wembley. Um, we went and got our tickets after that. And I, I say, as Keen said, I had access to areas. I went in the tunnel. I was down on the pitch, got a photo on the pitch at Wembley in the, in the change room. It was almost surreal, to be honest. I actually forgot there was no one there because because I was just sucking it in and enjoying it. Um, you don't get, to, not many people get to see their football club at Wembley. And I've got to see little old Conquer Rangers and being club secretary is almost like a dream. Um, I was in, the, I was in, I was lucky enough to be part of Scopes' final team talk. And that will stay with me to this day. Um, and then obviously watching the game from the, um, from the, from the Royal Box was, yeah, it was, it was quite surreal as a fan, to be honest. Um, and it's a day I will never forget. As long as I live, it's a story to tell your grandkids. Um, 
it would have been nicer to have fans. Obviously, Hornchurch were there two weeks later and got bloody 10,000 people there. But for the 30 people that was able to witness it, it was something to behold. Um, so, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Like I say three years, it is two years ago today with my head is literally in my hands because Jack Pauly's just put one over the bar. But, yeah, fantastic day. And, you know, the ch- it made all the crap worth it. It was a year of stress, toil, turmoil, to be honest, from May 2020 through till to that day being there on the day made it all worthwhile um so yeah it's brilliant yeah I, I mean i was only 15 yards from jack Cawley's miss or so i was behind the goal um doing some filming but yeah it wasn't a very enjoyable experience that's sure. <laughs> um just to finish up because I'm, I'm conscious that you've actually got to go do some concord work this evening um for another 18s cup final but on the podcast we want to kind of obviously a sporting backbone and we want to take a look into kind of delving behind the scenes at, at sporting organizations and so far we've chatted to a physio um, a media officer and obviously yourself this evening a, a secretary um for you in in your sport in football or, or at concord just in general what is the most kind of, I suppose, underappreciated or undervalued role at the football club and, and why? And I'm afraid it can't be your own role, although uh, <laughs> tells me you, think, you think you probably are the most underappreciated. What what for you is the most undervalued role at Concord Rangers? I can tell you every secretary will feel that. Um, but yeah, no, genuinely, I feel our most underrated role is Miss Mrs. Sisley, Jane. What a woman that woman is. She is fantastic for that football club, mate. She she deals with all the hospitality guests for me. I say, oh, I've got all I need to do on a match day now. I, I've experienced both. I've experienced having Jane as my right-hand person and not. Um, she's now, thankfully, back at the club after a nine-month retirement. But, you know, we won't gloss on that. She's fantastic. I'll get a list through from a club for their hospitality on the day. She deals with it all. Any tickets that are needed, all the access. She cooks the food. She'll cook. She'll do with the drinks, all the teas, all the coffees. Um any kit requirements for leachy she helps leachy she does our printing now she'll wash the kit she'll clean the changing room she will do everything for that football club you know her role is a bar manager x that's her role so she runs the function side but that club only ticks with jane at the club um i'm sure every club's got a jane to be honest i don't think they'll be as good as jane but every club will have them um and that's why i actually mentioned the role i think is the most undervalued because I experienced it for nine months without having someone of Jane's quality and respect. Um, it was tough. And I was so glad she came come back because it's, you know, as a secretary, you need this, uh, you know, as, as I said earlier, matched operations part of my role. I need someone to do all the nitty gritty and preparing the gate tickets, you name it. Um, she is that person. And I'm like, I say, Every club will have someone of Jane's ilk and I think every chairman, secretary, player, manager will appreciate what what that type of person does. So, yeah, I don't know how you want to term it, but most underrated for me is a Jane. That that will be my terminology. A Jane. So you're saying just personally does everything around a football club, a club manager S, the kind of person who kind of keeps, uh, keeps everything moving is, is a Jane. Is that the job, is it? Yeah, that's a Jane in my opinion, and that'll be the most underrated value, the uh, most underrated person at any in football for me, mate. Yeah, right, perfect, Lewis. Thank you very much. That's been really insightful. Um, touch into, I suppose, a brief touch into the world of a football club secretary and through the highs and lows that, that obviously football can can bring people. Um, enjoy your evening at the Under 18s Cup final. Hopefully, Concord can win that, and and I suppose finish the season on a high. 
Um, but yeah, thank yeah. you so much for joining us on the Sporting Backbone from me, Dan, John and Will, who have been relatively quiet for the last five minutes. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Man. I appreciate it. Cheers, Lewis. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers,